Well, if you'd open your Bible to page 943, and let me say I'm thrilled you're here today. It, uh, I hope those, that who, that those of us that are fathers, I hope all of you had a good Father's Day. And uh, then for those that are not fathers, the ladies and others, men that are not fathers, I still hope Father's Day was a good day for you. We had a great Father's Day. We just had a great day in church Sunday morning. And then Sunday afternoon, I got to be with both of our boys at the same time, which is always a joy. And uh, we just bless the Lord for that. Well, I want to talk to you today about something that I don't think you may have ever thought much about. And it'll take me a few minutes to get to it. We see it in John chapter 5, which is where you are on page 943. And what I want to talk to you about today is this, that one day when Christians stand at the Bema judgment seat. Now, you know, our sins have already been judged, so we're not going to be judged. You know, Jesus has paid for our sins and his shed blood. But the Bible teaches us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, that one day we are going to stand before God at the judgment. We Christians are going to be judged by our works, the works we've done, whether they be good or bad. Now, here, here's what I think we have not maybe ever considered. As we stand before God to be judged by how we've lived our life, by the things we've done, the things we failed to whatever, I believe that many Christians, their Bibles will be a witness against them. Now, just tuck that somewhere over here in the backside of your brain, and we'll be there in a moment. Now, in John chapter 5, it's a great chapter in the Gospel of John. These first 15 verses, you're very familiar, is where Jesus healed the man who had been lame for 38 years at the pool of Bethesda. The pool of Bethesda is one of the places we always go. We go to the Holy Land. I've never, I've been to the Holy Land 16 times. I don't think I ever had a trip that we weren't able to go to the pool of Bethesda. And it's just a moving, moving thing. And you remember this chapter, and normally the guide will tell the story or he'll ask one of us to read it from our Bible, whatever it may be. It's, it's, it's a very interesting thing. Now, as wonderful as that was, the problem was Jesus did that on the Sabbath day. And you know, the Jewish people, they had all the Old Testament laws and they knew that it was against the law in the Old Testament to do any kind of work on the Sabbath. Now, the problem is that the Old Testament law doesn't define what work is. And so what happened, the Jewish rabbis said, we've got to make a list. You know, the Bible says man's not to work on the Sabbath, but what, what is work? So they came up with 39 different things on their list that would constitute what work is. And that, the Jewish people call that the Mishnah. It's oral traditions, not Scripture. Now, Scripture says, you know, we're not to work on the Sabbath, but the Scripture doesn't define what work is. Well, when Jesus did this, he had violated their oral traditions. And if you look in verse number 16, it's very interesting. For this reason, for what reason? That Jesus healed this lame man on the Sabbath. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus. Not only that, watch this. They sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Now, you know, as you think about that, 
And then as we had time, we'd just continue reading because Jesus now begins to have a conversation. Really, he's kind of giving a, a, a almost a, a lesson to these Jewish people, especially these Jewish leaders. And he comes down to verse number 39, if you'd look in your Bible. What Jesus said to them was, he said, you search the scriptures for in them you think that you have eternal life. And then Jesus went on to say, and these, talking about these Old Testament scriptures that they have, they are that which testify of me. And then verse 40, Jesus went on to say, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life, talking about eternal life. Now, it's very, very interesting. You know, this whole idea of the Old Testament, you know, that was a scripture the Jewish people had. And even in our day, many, many Christian people, I fear, just think, well, you know, the Old Testament has a lot of history and that kind of stuff, but it really, you know, it's, it's, that's the Old Testament. And we don't live in that day. We live over on this side of Calvary. And so we're just going to kind of go by the New Testament. Well, here, here's what we need to understand about the Old Testament. The Old Testament is like a picture book of Jesus. I, I was talking to Dottie about it yesterday. When, when both John and Joel were little small boys, nowhere near old enough to read, we would take little Bible story books. Many of you have done the very same thing. And there would be a picture. You know, it might be a Noah building the ark. It, it might be a Jonah being swallowed by the great fish. It might be whatever. But you just had this good picture. And then under the picture, you had the words. And the way that would work, as you well know, you know, you, you would either either read the words they couldn't read the words. They weren't old enough to read, but they saw the picture. And when you went through it enough times, you know, you'd read the book endless times over a period of short time. The kids, the little small kids, even though they can't read the words, you can take the book and just open it up to one of the little pages. And they know that they'll say, well, that's, that's uh, uh, Noah. He's building the ark. God told him to build the ark. Oh, there's Jonah being swallowed by a great fish, or here's Jesus walking on the water. So even though they can't read the words, they see the picture. Now, I want to encourage you to think of the Old Testament in that way. Of course, we have the words and we can read the words, but the Old Testament is a picture book about Jesus from start to completion as you read through it. Now, for example, in the Old Testament, there are people and there are events that point to Jesus. They're called types. And theologians call it typology. And it just simply means that in the Old Testament, there are people and there are events. And they are types that are pointing to Jesus. For example, are pointing to God, the Father, either. Like, let's just take Noah. Now we could, in fact, there's just, there's just endless numbers of people we could take, but we'll just take Noah. Now, what did Noah do? Well, Noah built the ark. God told him to build the ark. What did that do? Well, that saved part of mankind, he and his family. Okay. Now, what is that a picture of? Well, what did Christ do? Well, Christ saved mankind. So even as you look at Noah, yes, there was a Noah and yes, he did build an ark, but you know, the Holy Spirit didn't inspire that just so we would know there was a man named Noah and he built the ark. And the history part of it is valid, and there's some great lessons. But it's, it's kind of like a word picture that one day one would come, 
that would save mankind, that would put their faith and trust in him. That's Abraham and Isaac. The father offering the son. That's, a, that's typology. That, I mean, there was Abraham, there was Isaac. Uh, Abraham did offer Isaac. It's not just some story in the Bible, but it's a picture of what would later come where God the father would offer his son. And so as you just kind of work your way, there, there's Joseph. He's a type of Christ. He was in the belly of a fish how many days? Three days. Well, how long was Christ in the grave? Three days. And God raised him from death to life. There's Job. Uh, he was a righteous sufferer. Well, he's also a picture of Jesus. Jesus, he who never sinned. If there's ever been a righteous person suffer, Jesus Christ tops the list. And so when you think about Job, I mean, that's one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. But to begin, it's there to point us to the one that would one day suffer even though he didn't deserve to suffer. There's Joseph. He's a type of Christ. What did he do? Well, he suffered unjustly, but what did he do? Well, in the end, he saved his brothers. Well, Jesus likewise suffered unjustly, and what did he do? He saved all those that would repent of their sins and come to him. There's Elijah. You know, Elijah called people to repentance. That's very interesting to me. In fact, if you're turning your Bible to page 851, let's do that right quick. Page 851, you're in the Gospel of Matthew. You're in chapter number four, I hope. Okay. And if you look down in verse uh, 17, like Jesus has just faced his temptation experiences. And in, in, in verse 12, he begins his Galilean public ministry. And the very first sermon Jesus preached in his Galilean public ministry, look at it in verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, what did he preach? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, when you go back and think about Elijah and think about the other prophets, they were, they, they were all telling the people they need to repent of their sins. They're like pictures. And then on the Emmaus Road, turn to page 937. This won't take but a moment. You know the story of Jesus on, on the Emmaus Road. Uh, you're going to get there faster than I am, but we'll get there finally. Uh, on, these two men on the Emmaus Road, and it's very, very interesting uh, Jesus says something, you know, a lot of people say, well, the Old Testament, has, you know, it, it has nothing to do with today. Well, it has everything to do with God, it has everything to do with Jesus. On, in Luke, you're on page, uh, you're on page 937. Look in Luke chapter 24, look down in verse 27. Here, here's, here's, it's an interesting verse. He's, it says, and beginning at Moses, now that's in the Old Testament, and the prophets, that's in the Old Testament. Jesus expounded to them, that's these two men on the Emmaus Road, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Now, there's a verse worth remembering. Anytime someone might want to convince you that the Old Testament has nothing to do about Jesus, well, they ought to go read Luke chapter 24, verse 27, because Jesus said, all this has to do about me. And it is a wonderful, blessed thing to remember. Now, let's go back to our text in John chapter number six. Let's go back to where we started on page 943, and we'll not move around. We'll just stay there the rest of our little time together. Now, if you go back to that, what did Jesus say? Look in verse 39. He said to these Jewish people, especially the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, he said, you search the scriptures 
For indeed, you think you have eternal life. And these, talking about these scriptures you're searching, they are that which testify, that is, it tell about me. And he goes on to say, you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. <laughs> they were religious and they spent their time searching the scriptures. Now, this word search is a very, very interesting word. It, it conveys the idea that you look at something closely. You look at something diligently. Uh, you, you scrutinize what you're looking at uh, as, as just opposed to some uh, superficial reading. See, many times as we read the Bible, this is one of the problems of the Bible reading plan. We just have our Bible reading plan. Of course, <laughs> my, my opinion, we need some kind of plan or, or we won't do much reading. But if, if, if we just look at what we're supposed to read today and we just kind of read the, you know, we say, well, I read it. Let me check it off. I, well, that, that's really like a, a superficial reading. Or, or you, might, you might say it, you know, some other way. You might just say, well, you know, it's, you know I am trying. Well, we are trying. But uh, it's, 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 it's just kind of empty formality, you, you know. You, you can do that. Even with the Bible, you, you can just have the, your heart can be right. But as you read, it's just kind of like, it's just what you do. This is my assignment for the day. Instead of opening up the word of God and saying, boy, I just can't wait to see what God has to say to me today. Now, in John chapter five, there are two things that I want to mention that time permits us to mention today. One is the only way to have eternal life is to come to Jesus. Now, I need not spend much time on that. You believe that? Uh, I mean, but yet a lot of people believe a lot of other stuff. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of those even profess to be Christians say, well, no, you've got to join the church. You've got to be baptized or you've got to do this. You've got to do that. No, no, it, it, the work's already been done. What we do, we, rep, you, you, we repent of our sins and we come to Jesus. And that, that's, that's what Jesus is saying to these Jewish, these Jewish leaders here. He said, y'all just don't understand the only way to have eternal life is to come to me. And he goes on to say in verse 40, you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. You're busy searching the scriptures. You're doing your religious duty. You're trying to examine all this stuff and, and figure it all out. And then the other thing that I see as I read this whole story is, is what I said in the beginning. You may not have ever thought about One day, many Christians, when they stand before God at judgment, their Bible, their, now we're talking about Christian people. Their Bible is going to be a witness, not for them, but a witness against them. That's true for your Bible. You have a Bible at home. You're right now using the one here. We all have a Bible. But see, one day my own Bible could be a witness against me as I stand before God. You say, how in the world could my Bible be a witness against me? Well, I'm glad you asked because that's what I want to talk about. <laughs> well, one way it can be is, is by not obeying what the Bible says. You know, we have our Bible, read our Bible. But, uh, you know, John Calvin is the one credited with saying when the Bible speaks, God speaks. Now, I don't know if he's the one that thought that up first. I just know that's what the historians say. But whoever said it, whoever thought it up first, it doesn't really matter. It's true. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. Now, I believe that with all my heart. Now, if, if you and I read our Bible and we say, well, I believe this is a Bible speaks, God speaks. I believe this is God's inspired word. But yet, 
We just don't obey what it says. We don't even make an effort to obey what it says. In fact, we disobey what it says. I'm saying this to you. One day, you will stand before God and your own Bible will be a witness against you. That really, that, that, that's a concerning thing to me. Now, for, for example, uh, I'll turn back to it. I've had you turn all over the place, but let me just read you a verse to give you an illustration. There's one verse I was thinking about it this morning. Like, now, what's something the Bible says that one day I need to be careful that it doesn't come back to be a witness against me? Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, here's what the Bible says. This is what God says. Be kind to one another. Let me ask you, have you ever in your life, whatever age you are, seen more unkindness than we see in our day and time? Boy, y'all are getting quiet now. I mean, it is like hate versus hate. You know, I... Well, I'm not going to chase that, but I'm just saying this. One day I'm going to stand before God, and he has said I'm to be kind to other people. And if I've lived my life, and some people, maybe I don't agree with them, maybe I disagree with them, but I cannot be unkind to them. Tenderhearted. Say, well, I've got a tender heart toward people. Okay, get ready for this one. Are y'all ready? I'm fixing to ruin your lunch. (laughs) Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You know, that's probably one of the areas of life we as Christians, we struggle. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes maybe we've been done unjustly, accused falsely, or whatever. And if you're not careful, you can develop an unforgiving spirit. And I'll say this about that. (laughs) You'll be the loser. If I have an unforgiving spirit, I'll be the loser. But here's where I'll really be the loser. Because I've had good Christian people say to me that have come to talk to me about, Pastor, I'm really, this happened. And and, I mean, I listen. I'm like, man, that's just, you you know, (laughs) as the old person, they've been done wrong. But I've had good people say to me, I will never like, I'll go to my grave hating that person. I said, oh my gracious, that won't be the worst part. Worst part is when they come out of that grave and face God. I want to encourage you today, don't you dare fall into this. You, you say, well, I've tried and I, can't, I just can't get to that point. Ask God to help you. You know, there's some things in the flesh we just can't do. And I, you know, I mean, listen, I deal with that I've dealt with that all my life, and I'm human. You're human, but but here's what God says. Now, I don't want to stand before God one day, and the Bible be a witness against me, and God say, you know, I told you to forgive others as I forgave you, and you know, so and so, you never did forgive them. Well, uh, you ask God to help you that. So that's one way. Now, another way is not believing what the Bible says. You know. <laughs> We have our Bible, believe it's the Word of God, but if I'm not going to believe what the Bible says, then one day my Bible is going to be a witness against me. True for you. These Bible promises. We're doing something really fun at First Baptist this summer. Well, I, I say that. I'm having fun. I don't know if people are having fun or not. But I've encouraged them. We started this in June. There's 12 weeks, June, July, and August. And I said, now look, the Bible has thousands of Bible promises. 
And I want to ask you, if you will, this, this summer, let's memorize one a week. And each week, I'll give you the verse to memorize, the Bible promise. Or you make your own list. You don't have to go by my list. And I'll print it in the bulletin every week. Here will be the first week, second week, third week. This week will be the new verse. Okay. All right. Well, and I conceded. I said, now, I know as I ask you to do this, that some of you are already saying I'm not going to do it. But that's okay. There will be some folks that will do it. And I'm just going to appeal to we all do it and you know, you do whatever you want to with it. But here's the deal. If you have these Bible promises stored up when you don't need them, when you do need them, they're there. And boy, that's the blessing. The following morning, the following morning, not early when Panera Bread, early. And one of our members came through and they looked at me because the, the, the promise I asked her to memorize John 6, 47. Where Jesus said, surely I said to you, he that believes in me has everlasting life, eternal life. And a member came by, and this is all the member said to me. The member eyeballed me and said, John 6, 47. I wanted to speak in tongues. I thought, bless God, one person. And I looked at Dottie, and she said, why did he say that? I said, did you not hear the sermon? That's my own wife wanting to know why. But anyway... Uh, then she remembered. Well, yeah, that's our Bible verse. Now, I want to encourage you to, to memorize Bible verses. For example, we have all these promises. We have all, like Isaiah 26, 3. God will give him perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. But there's one more line to that verse. Because he trusts in him. That's the key to that verse. And most times I hear that verse quoted, they always say, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And they never do finish the verse. Well, the, the, what's left is the key to the whole verse. But what I'm saying to you is we have all these promises if we're not going to obey them. I love, I'm, I, in fact, I'm going to do it. Y'all are just, I'm, I'm going to give y'all a little heads up. Don't you tell my members this because they'll learn it Sunday. But the verse they're going to get Sunday, and I just read the verse this morning, just reading my Bible. Boy, it blessed me. Psalm 2911 will be the verse they'll see Sunday. Psalm 2911, listen to what it says. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. I don't know about you, but do you ever just get up in the morning saying, I need some more strength? Can I have an amen to that? Yeah, yeah, well, here it is. There's a promise from God. The Lord will give strength to his people. I pray every morning. This morning I pray double. God, I need some double strength today. I've got a long day here. The Lord will bless his people with peace. So if we're not going to believe it, it's going to come back one day to be a witness. And then by ignoring the Bible. You say, what do you mean by ignoring the Bible? Well, you know exactly what I mean. There are many Christians, the only time they ever pick the Bible up is when they come to church. Now that doesn't make them bad people. But I'll tell you what it does. It keeps them being blessed people. I want to encourage you. you. Nothing energizes me more. I just was reading my Bible this morning. It just My next psalm to read was Psalm 29. I wasn't looking for that verse. And I read that. And I thought, my gracious, this you talk about something that revived me this morning. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. You know, Aaron Rodgers, he'd be one of my favorite preachers. He's now with the Lord. He had a little saying about the Bible. He said, these Hath God married in no man shall part, dust on the Bible, and drought in the heart. <laughs> That's a good old saying Adrian had, and how true it is that 
There's nothing worse than dust on the Bible because here's the deal. It'll finally put drought in the heart. I just want to encourage you. I'm probably talking to the choir here today. Probably all of you read your Bible every day more than I do. But listen, folks, if you want to get energized every morning, just get in the Word of God. Search the Scripture. Search the Scripture, and you're going to be amazed. There'll be a little verse, hither or yonder. You may read a chapter or two, but there'll be a verse. It'll just almost jump off the page, and it will energize you like nothing else in this world. Father, I thank you for our Bible. And Lord, I pray, oh God, help us live every day in such a way that one day we won't stand before you and our own Bible become a witness against us because we didn't obey, we didn't believe, or worst of all, we just ignored. Help us not do that in Jesus' name. Amen.